so Scott Growth, he'll be here to just kind of run the 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 stuff while I'm gone. Pastor Doug is going to be preaching next to. So Doug, I don't know if you if you know him, but Doug and Bethany were were have been missionaries, um, training pastors, planting churches, making disciples, and. And one of my favorite works ever is Pastor Pradeep in Orissa, India. And the way he's running that ministry is incredible. And, and it's just something if like if we all, whoever sees it, it's like, I want to get behind that. I want, I want to invest in that somehow. And that's, that's fruit from Doug. And, you know, Doug, Pastor Doug's a deep well. It's wise to draw from the deep well and you're going to get that in the next two weeks so you know i'm a little jealous I, i'll have to listen to i guess i can listen to the uh the record i can zoom in not if it's like two o'clock in the morning or something i'm not i'm not doing that Where's your dedication? <laughs> it, it'll it'll be there yeah you can zoom into my teaching at 2 a.m uh, all week Open your Bibles to, to 1 John, if you would, and then you'll want to get a handout to take notes, maybe, and, and if you need help with any of that, just raise your hand. We'll get you a handout and, and get you a Bible if you need that. You guys doing okay? Everybody doing all right? Maybe. Uh, Oriyama won a medal in the Grayland Reese 5K. Christine, you won a medal, right? You, yeah. I did. I did. I got a. I got a medal in the stroller category. So I was pushing my granddaughter Georgia in the stroller, and I did medal in the stroller category. Yeah. So. <laughs> Marcy, uh, I don't know. Did, did Marcy medal? She's 39 weeks pregnant. She ran the 5K, which makes all of our excuses seem just a little bit lame. Probably. Jenny's changing the subject. Uh, okay. Hey, real quick before we before we jump in, if you look up above Xander's head on that little sign by the door, okay? This classroom is our classroom. It's also hangout for the youth on Tuesday nights. It's also the LFBI room. It's not like it's ours, like we have, right? you know, it's a multi-purpose room. So what normally happens is on Sunday mornings, I'll come in early and, and sometimes Scott will show up and we'll vacuum and I'll wipe down the tables and I'll set up all the chairs and then I'll go do the other stuff that I have to do on Sunday mornings in preparation, which, man, praise the Lord. I don't have anything better to do than just do that. However, with our new signage, now everybody knows how to set up the room. So what the, the reason that those signs came to be is because it was like, like we'd show up on Sunday morning and there'd be like 10 chairs in here. So I had to go find chairs because the Tuesday night meal team took them to set up for Tuesday night meals and they didn't put them back because they didn't know. 
Like what's in this room next? Who's setting up? But we weren't actually enabling and equipping people to be able to just get the room ready for the next group. But now we have our signage. So what I would like to do is after, amen, after our small group time today, we can actually wipe down tables, vacuum the floors and set it up for the, for the D2 group that's gonna be in here next. So what we're gonna do then is, is there anyone who, who has a passion for that sort of thing? Like I would love to be the person who's in charge of setting that up. You, you wanna do that? Okay, perfect. All right, so Xander can help with that. We'll, we'll get, we'll kind of, everyone should help, but we'll, we'll be working for those, those guys and, and get everything set up. Does that make sense? Safe, clean, and ready. We want the room to be safe, clean, and ready for the next group. So it's, it's safe, clean, we'll, we'll just clean it up and then get it ready, we'll set up the table. So that's us just loving on the next group. They won't even know it. They won't, you know, but we'll know it. So it'll be good. All right, First John chapter four. First John chapter four is where we are. Now, by, here's our Bible studies. Some of you who live in the north part of the city need to evangelize better. <laughs> but here's our Bible studies. Um, Want to make sure you're part of one of those. By way of review, we've, we finished 1 John chapter 3 last week. Kind of the, the, the overall theme for 1 John chapter 3 was love in action. And that's the key fellowship factor. Okay, this book is all about fellowship. You know that if you've been with us. And the key fellowship factor for the church from 1 John 3 really is our love and action. And that's what we've been looking at for the last few weeks. One thing we saw last week is that talking to yourself is only a good idea if you have something biblical to say. Okay, we all do this. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? And then, well, if you have an answer, well, then it's okay to talk to yourself. But if it's just negative self-talk, if you're just a bad friend to yourself, you're just wasting your time. One thing we saw was love and action actually is assuring for us. It gives us answers to the questions that we might have. We saw uh, that, that love and action is, is how we abide with him. So it costs you something to be here this morning. I appreciate that. You could be sleeping in, you could be doing your hobbies, you could be, you know, doing the other things that you need to do this week. But instead, you've taken this time and you said, I, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm not going to forsake the assembling of the saints. I'm going to come and I'm going to be with others to be about our father's business. We're going to learn from the word of God. We're going to praise God through praise and worship. We're going to, so praise the Lord. It costs you something to be here, right? That's how we abide, the degree to which we abide. Well, how willing are you to take up your cross, deny yourself and follow him? We saw that last week. And then we saw that, you know, our fellowship is love and action because it costs us something to obey God together. So your faith, you were never meant to have a lone ranger type Christianity where you're separate from the body of Christ. You're part of the body. You're like, well, I don't like the body. I, I know. That's part, that's why we have to die to self. God made it that way so that we have to die to self to minister together. And in that way, you get to be part of the fellowship. You get to take up your cross. And it's really a beautiful thing because that's what makes us Christ-like. 
Okay, so this morning, we're, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4. I don't think we'll get all the way through, through verse 6, but let's just look at it together. Beloved, God wants to tell you something, and he's, he, he says, beloved. That's how he sees you. Amazing. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Okay, so right off we see some things out of these out of these two verses we see that there are there's such a thing as false prophets that have gone out into the world these are people who are teaching you things like a prophet in other words they claim to speak for god i'm going to tell you what god has said all the prophets said now some prophets are telling you book chapter verse from the word of god Others are speaking to you with the voice of a prophet, but the spirit that is behind them is not the spirit of God. All right. Now, the, this verse says that many false prophets have gone out into the world. All right. So the, the, the point being made here is we must not believe the teaching until we test the teacher. Okay. Why? Well, because there's a spirit behind what is being preached. It's either the spirit of God speaking forth the word of God to the people of God, or it's the spirit of Antichrist seeking to cause confusion in God's people. All right, so verse 2, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Here's our test, okay? Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth, confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. Okay, you heard about this guy, this part of the unholy trinity, the Antichrist who's coming. You've heard about him, John says. That spirit is already at work in the world, and even now is al already is it in the world? He says, okay, so, so what, are we, what are we testing for? We are testing to see, is the spirit behind the preacher-teacher of God, or is that teacher-preacher the spirit of Antichrist? Okay, don't base your, your, um, your perspective, your acceptance of a teacher, someone who claims to be a prophet, don't base your opinion of them on how they look. Don't base your opinion on them of how they sound. Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. How do we judge whether or not what is being taught is, is of God or is of the Antichrist? Well, do they say Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? That's it. Okay, there's a lot of teaching out there, you guys, right now in the world, what the verse says. And they use religious sounding things, but it's worldly in its message. The prosperity gospel. Man, those guys sound good. They look good in their skinny jeans and their, and their you know, their, what, their get up, their smart glasses like I got. <laughs> I lost my glasses. This is my backup pair. I was going to ask so. if you were a new pair. 
They're old pair, but I lost my my other pair. So yeah, you know, if I had my skinny jeans on and, and my my fake hair, like I could come up be like an angel of light, be all cool and 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 I could like uh relate to people and and then that wouldn't make me valid. So yeah, hipster pastor. It is funny how uh like guys my age want to look like half. I'm 52. I just own it. Like I, 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 uh, yeah, I'm not going to wear like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I think it's okay to, to be your, I don't know. Okay. Okay. So, but, but the prosperity gospel, the, the prosperity God spell, the, 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 the message that God that Christ came so you could be rich and famous. You can have a jet plane and a swimming pool and a, and um, that's okay. That is a religious sounding message. When you listen to them, there you're going to get two things. One, send me your money is what you're going to hear. Send me your money. Send me your money. I need another jet plane. The one I have only holds like, you know, 12 people and, I got to spread the gospel and train leaders. So, you know, send me your money. But the other thing they're going to tell you is if you do that, God's going to give you a lot of money. And, and that, I just can't find that in the book anywhere. Because it's a worldly message using religious sounding jargon to promote it. Same thing with all this sort of self-help stuff. I don't know if you caught it, but the testimony of Lauren who got baptized this morning. She said, I grew up in the church and it was presented to me that Jesus was a model for me to follow. Jesus modeled how we're supposed to live and that's who Jesus was. Well, except that's not why Jesus came. The son of man didn't come to present a model for humanity to now be a self-help group. No, no, he came to seek and save that which is lost. He was Okay, so those sort of messages where you get religion, but it's not Bible, it's not biblical, those are things that cause confusion and actually keep people from coming to Christ. That's what we're looking at. So let's look at this test. Okay, so letter A on your handout. What are we testing for again? Is the spirit behind the preacher teacher of God, or is it the spirit of antichrist okay that's what we're testing for and so what how do we run this test do they say does the prosperity gospel preacher say jesus christ is come in the flesh that seems like a weird test let me give you some explanation okay so first of all jesus did jesus christ come in the flesh okay jesus speaks to his person 40% of people in England, according to a poll done by the church there, 40% of people in England do not believe that Jesus was a real person, that he really existed, which is crazy because he's the most influential character in all of human history. So they, they believe that, you know, Alexander, this is in England. Okay, 40% of people in England do not believe that Jesus was a real person. Okay, so when we say Jesus, 
it, 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 we're implying that he was actually a real person, okay? In the United States, 96% of old people believe Jesus actually was a real person who lived. This is from a 2014 Barna poll. The baby boomer, boomers, 95%, Generation Xer, 91%, Millennials, 87% believe. So it's actually, it's getting worse, but still the vast majority of Americans believe that Jesus was actually a historical real person who came and lived on the earth. Christ. Okay, we believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. That word Christ refers to his divinity. It refers to his office as the Messiah. Okay, so, so what about that? Well, in the United States, this is the same kind of Barna 2014 poll. I don't know if you can read this, but how many believe that Jesus was actually divine? 62% of elders, 58% of boomers, 55% Gen Xers, 48% of millennials believe that Jesus was actually divine. He was God in the flesh. How many believe that he was just a religious or a spiritual leader of some sort? 18%, 25%, 28%, and 35% of millennials believe that Jesus, he was a real person, but he was just like a good leader. He was like Gandhi, or he was like Buddha, or he was, he was like Muhammad. He was just a good spiritual leader. And then how many aren't sure? 20% and then the rest are 17% aren't sure. So if we are testing someone who is speaking and claiming to speak for God, you know, do they believe that Jesus was a real person? Do they believe that Jesus was who the Bible says he is, that he has, he, he is divine. He's actually God in the flesh. And so, so let's look at some verses regarding that. Oh, here, wait a minute. Uh, okay, another one. When he lived on earth, Jesus was human and committed sins like anyone else. How, how many people believe that? This is United States 2014. Um, let's see. How many agree, agree that he committed sins? 26%, 20, about a fourth of people believe that Jesus committed sins. Yeah. Yeah, so, so a minority believes that Jesus did not commit sins. Most people believe that Jesus did commit sins. Okay. Well, it's, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll review that. Okay, but first let's see what the Bible says. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 26, this is one of the most important scriptures in all of the Bible because it gives a historic account of Gentile human history, okay? It gives a historic account of Jewish history, like what's going to happen in the future. Daniel chapter 9 covers this. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city, that's Jews and Jerusalem. And for all these reasons, okay, there's five different things that happen. And one, but one thing that happens throughout this history that God has preordained is to anoint the most holy. So there's this character coming 
in the Old Testament in Jewish history called the most holy. Now, that word to anoint, it's like you're going to pour oil on someone or you're going to put the, the, the oil on them. Messiah is the one who's anointed. Messiah means anointed. So this, there's this person coming, most holy, holy of holies. And he's going to be anointed by God in a special way. That word anointed is Messiah. So the next verse in 25 and 26 talks about this Messiah who's going to come. And then Messiah is going to be cut off. Sam was talking about the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem this morning in main service. Do you guys catch that? This prophecy nails it to the day. If we went through, and you can, you can check all the numbers. I've done that. I actually taught this, not in this class last year. But Jesus, this 70 weeks, this prophecy, it turns out to be the exact day that Jesus entered into to Jerusalem. Sacrificed on the Passover in the grave on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Rose on the first day of the fruit, fruit, uh, first fruits. These are Jewish feasts. The Holy Spirit descended on the Feast of Pentecost. And now that's harvest time. At the end of harvest, there's a Feast of Trumpets, followed by the Day of Atonement, the Great Tribulation, and then finally the, 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 the Feast of Sukkot or Booths, when that's pictures of millennium. All this is just laid out perfectly. But the, the point I'm making now is that there was a promised Messiah in the Old Testament, okay? John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew heard, heard, heard John speak. He finds Jesus, and then in verse 41, he findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. We found the, pro the prophesied most holy one, the anointed one, the the Messiah of the Old Testament, we found him. He's made it. He's arrived, and which being interpreted as Christ. Christ is the New Testament transliteration of the word Messiah. Jesus is absolutely, without doubt, declared in our New Testament to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy of the one who is to come, the Messiah. Same thing in verse John 4, 24, talking to the woman at the well, a special passage for us in this class. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speaketh unto thee am he. Jesus claimed to be the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. That word Messiah translated Christ. Jesus is the Christ. So listen. Does the false prophet actually believe that Jesus was a real person, or is he teaching his flock that it's just a model, an ideal for you to follow? Jesus represents godliness in human form, and we're supposed to, was Jesus a real person? Was Jesus the Christ? Because he actually claims to be that person. Jesus actually claimed to be God. You'll hear people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh, okay, well, John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus saith unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Moses is at the burning bush, and he's like, hey, who should I tell them sent me? And God, in the Old Testament, said, tell them, I am sent you. It's a name for God. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, past tense, 
I am outside of space and time. He was claiming to be God. Then they took up stones to cast at him. They were going to kill him. Why? Because he just claimed to be God. They knew it. John 18, 5. So, so Jesus is in the garden. This is the night he's betrayed. And here comes this crowd, this, this mob of thugs with their pitchforks and, you know, torches. And, ah, they're coming. And they're all brave because there's a whole mob of them now. So what they wouldn't do in the temple during the day, now that there's a big mob, they're willing to do like a bunch of cowards at night. So they come to Jesus and they answered him. Jesus is like, uh, here we go. Verily, verily. Okay, sorry. Jesus asks them, who are you looking for? And the mob. And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am. Okay, now, when you have an italicized word in your King James Bible, it's italicized because it, the original translation wouldn't make sense without it. Sometimes when you translate from language to language, you have to add a word in. So it makes sense. Those added in words so that we can understand it in English are in italics. So in our English Bible, we read, Jesus saith unto them, I am he. But that he was added in so that we understand. But what he really said was, I am. And as soon as he said unto them, I am, they went backwards and fell to the ground. Jesus just proclaiming, I am was so powerful that every that they all just fell down. John chapter 20, verse 27. Jesus appears to the disciples and Thomas, doubting Thomas. He's that skeptic here. Like, I know some of you. That's you. You're like Thomas. You're like, I'll see it when I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. It's okay. You'll see it. Just don't quit looking. Okay. Jesus says to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and, and, and my side and be not faithless, but believe. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus didn't correct him. Jesus said, that's good that you believe that. Why? Because Jesus was God in the flesh, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Jesus wasn't just human. He was divine. 1 Timothy 3.16, it's written down there a little farther on your handout. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. Can we get our heads around that completely? Well, I don't know. I, I can't. But I know it's true and I believe it. And nothing else makes sense. Okay, let's move on. So, is Jesus a real person? Okay. Is he Christ? That it means, is he divine? And did he come in the flesh? That speaks to his humanity. Did he actually come in the flesh? Could God really become a human? Could that really happen? Did that really happen? Well, yes, it did. Okay. So, so Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 for as much then as the children, the, the people of God, are partakers of his flesh and blood, he, Christ himself, also likewise took part of the same. He became flesh and blood that through death, see, how could God who's immortal die? Well, he became a man. Men can die. He became a man and then he died. That's, that's how he did it. Why? So that he might, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power over death 
That is the devil. The devil had a stronghold on humanity through death that came from sin. Oh, until Jesus became a man. That's like getting a ringer on your church softball team. Like you don't stand a chance in the rec league, your church softball team. Oh, until you get like that Royals player who gets saved and then comes on. And now you got the guy and it's like, the, you know, he's like, you know? I was like, we quit. You win. That's what happened. The devil, what, the, we didn't have a chance oh, until Christ became a man. Oh, but then he died and the devil thought he won. And then Christ rose again and conquered sin and death. And had they known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. If they would have known that in doing so, he was going to rise again, conquering sin and death and the grave. Oh, my goodness. Okay, but he had to become a man to die for men. He, the devil couldn't have killed him otherwise. Okay. But this man, speaking of Christ, because he continueth forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. So what if, what if he wasn't God, though? What if Jesus was just a man? Well, then he wouldn't have conquered sin and death. And he couldn't have appeased an everlasting eternal God. Think about this. Let me ask you a question. The wages of sin is death. You guys know that spiritual death, separation from God for all eternity because of our sin. If I died in my sin because I offended a holy God and I spent all eternity separated from God in the lake of fire, did I pay back the debt I owed yet? Does God get what he deserves, the glory, getting glory from my life? If, no. A lost man or woman separated from God for all eternity doesn't pay God back the penalty for sin because God's eternal. A an offense against an eternal God can't be paid back except it's paid back by an eternal God. Does this make sense? Jesus had to be all man. He had to be all God in order to do this. Okay, so, so well... Okay, so here are some examples of those who do not say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. I'm sorry. They don't say Jesus did come in, in the flesh. The test is not, do they say Jesus did not come in the flesh? Nobody says that. The test is, do they say it? Not, do they say something opposite? Does that make sense? They don't say Jesus Christ came in the flesh. The Arians say Jesus was not fully divine. He wasn't Christ. Gnostic docetism says Jesus was not fully human. His human form was just an illusion. See, matter itself is evil. The Gnostics get confused and they say, well, you know, the flesh is evil. No, no, no. Look, sin is evil. Sin is evil. Sin finds its source in our natural state but matter th this coffee cup is not evil in fact i appreciate it greatly what, how would i hold my coffee otherwise you know but just the fact that that it exists and it's matter okay okay it's not evil it's just a coffee cup Gnostics say all matter is evil and all the spiritual is good and they get confused. No, sin is evil. Okay, so 
So they say that Jesus could not have come in the flesh because flesh is evil. And this is where you get your yoga, you know, you're not, not like just touching your toes, but actually the spiritual yogis who say they can levitate because they've reached the seventh initiate level of spiritual whatever and, and enlightenment and they're, you know, and the, what, why? Well, because I'm so separate from the physical through my mental and spiritual state now that I can walk on water and I can do these things. That's Gnosticism. I've risen up, you know, and that sort of a thing. Okay, so usually if the spirit of Antichrist is at work, the, what you're going to get is confusion, okay? The Tower of Babel, that word Babel means confusion, okay? So the source of all human religion, spiritually speaking, is spiritual Babylon. And, and it's, it's it, okay, so the answer sounds something like this. So you ask the person, you, you apply the test. Hey, just quick question there, prophet. Can, can, can you say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Okay, and they'll say, well, 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 okay. Well, it's complicated. Bless your heart for asking a question. You know, you probably go to some Baptist church somewhere where they just believe, bless your heart. And then 20 minutes of religious sounding gook with out of context Bible verses later, they'll say, so yes, of course we believe in Jesus. I quoted you on that, gook It's just, just religious. That's Joseph Smith right there. Yeah, it's a picture of Joseph Smith up there. And, and you know, after enough time, the stuff I'm saying might make sense, but really they just wear people out. Have you ever been in a board meeting where by the end you're like, I'll sign anything. Just let me out. <laughs> or that sermon. It's like, okay, I'll give an extra 20 bucks. Just let me go. <laughs> ah, okay. All right, look over in the back of your handout. Guys, we could do this with almost any sort of false religion or cult group or whatever out there. I just picked on you know, some of the big ones here. Jehovah's Witness, this is from their own stuff, okay? From their, their website. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is God's only begotten son and that his life began in heaven. He is described as God's first creation and the exact representation of God, but is believed to be a separate entity and not part of a trinity. They believe that the, the archangel Michael the word in John 1, 1 and wisdom personified in Proverbs 8 refer to Jesus in his pre-human existence and that he resumed these identities after his ascension to heaven following his death and resurrection. So Jesus, you know, the, 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 the archangel Michael you read about in the Old Testament, well, that's Jesus. And then Jesus came and, and as, as was on the earth. And then when he went back, now he's, he's Michael again. They also identify him with the rider of the right horse white horse in Revelation 6 and 19. His birth on earth was accomplished when he willingly allowed himself to be transferred by God from heaven to the womb of the Virgin Mary. While on earth, Jesus was executed as a sacrifice to atone for mankind's sin, becoming the eternal father to the human family. Okay, so that's what they claim to believe on that. Let's run it by our test in terms of Jesus Christ come in the flesh. 
Well, Jesus did not become a man, according to what we just read. He was transferred to the womb of Mary. Jesus wasn't God inside a human body. Jesus became a man, okay? He was 100% human. He was also 100% God. Jesus was created by God in the image of God, so they deny his actual divinity. The Bible says clearly in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then down in, in, in I think, verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says, and the Word became flesh. He didn't just get transferred into flesh. He became flesh. Jesus actually became a man. So they say Jesus is also Michael. So they deny or at least confuse his personhood. By the way, the writer of the White Horse in Revelation chapter 6 is actually the Antichrist, not Christ. So kind of missed it on that one a little bit. Okay, Latter-day Saints believe that the simplest reading of the New Testament text produces the simplest conclusion. Well, that's, that's a good way to live. I mean, that's okay. What, what do they conclude? That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are separate and distinct personages, that they are one in purpose. Okay, so that's, that's denying the Trinity. And through the Book of Mormon, translated by Joseph Smith, come additional insights concerning the person and powers of Jesus the Christ. We learn that he is the Holy One of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that through an infinite act of, uh, act of in infinite condescension, he left his throne divine and took a mortal body. We learn from the teachings of the Book of Mormon prophets that he was a man, but much more than a man, that he had within him the powers of the Father and the powers of the Spirit, the power to lay down his life and the power to take it up again. So, bullet points from the Mormon belief in Jesus. He was, he's not God the Father, but he is the Holy One of Israel. Okay? And he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he's not God, but he is the, that guy. I don't, I don't know. It's confusion. They deny his divinity. So they give him some aspects of the divinity, but they deny him the, his divinity as it is. There's confusion there. He had the powers of God and the powers of the Spirit. So Jesus is a man with God powers. Confusion. Confusion. I don't know that they can say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Christian scientists. This one's super interesting. Christian scientists. They dis, this is from their writings. They distinguish between Jesus and Christ. So here's what we read if you, if you go online and look at their stuff. Jesus was a man who lived in first century Palestine, and Christ is the name for a certain divine idea. Jesus is a human man, and Christ is a divine idea, hence the duality of Jesus the Christ. The invisible Christ, which is the true, the, the ideal true truth that comes to heal sickness and sin through Christian science, became perceptible in the visible Jesus, who was a mere man, and demonstrated the divine idea. Mary Baker Eddy, she's, she's the founder of this, once said, if there had never existed such a person as the Galilean prophet, it would make no difference to me. In other words, if there was no human named Jesus, who cares? Jesus was just a person who manifested a divine ideal called the Christ. Okay, so Jesus was a real person, but it doesn't matter. He was not the Christ because Christ is actually a metaphysical ideal. He did not come in the flesh because according to the third church or the Christian scientists, all flesh is actually an illusion. Okay, so, so 
We we live in the matrix. Yeah, I, I was talking to a guy over here one time. He our church was built by a Christian Science Group. Okay, so so we were walking. I was giving him the tour, and and he actually believed this that sin and death are illusions, and if you actually have enough faith in what you can't see, then then what you will see is will just be. We'll adjust accordingly. So if I feel sick, that's just an illusion. I can't be sick. There's no such thing as sickness. It's the whole there is no spoon in the matrix. The secret is to understand there is no spoon. And there is a spoon. I mean, that's just craziness. Okay, but all these things build upon things that are kind of true. I mean, okay, so does this make sense, you guys, that... I, I love the testimony this morning that Lauren gave because it helps me. Hang on. Jesus was a model for us to follow. That's what she was taught in her church, in her Catholic church that she grew up in. Okay. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to talk evil of any particular person. I'm just saying, this is how you apply that test. Okay. If Jesus wasn't human, he couldn't have died for the sins of humanity in our place. And if he wasn't God, he couldn't have satisfied the requirements necessary for an eternal God to be satisfied. He had to be God manifested in the flesh. All God, the real person, the real event, something you can put your faith in and have confidence in what God has done. Okay, question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we could talk about that sometime. It's called syncretism, where you mix two different religions and then you come together with some sort of some sort of hybrid religion. That's that's what happened. So Constantine, yes. He said, Okay, you're all Christians now. That's no longer a statue of Peter. I'm sorry, of uh, of uh, Jupiter. Now it's a statue of Peter. Okay, that's no longer a statue of Mercury. Now that's a statue of Paul. And so we're going to worship the saints. And they just they all just change the names. And you can do that or or I'll kill you. They're like, oh, Peter, yes. Oh, Paul, yeah, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm a Christian now. And then and then everything got brought together under not Jerusalem, but Rome. And it just got it got, and then it all became. It all became very religious and all that. So, okay, well, let's do this. Let's break up in our small groups. Here's a question. Okay, who Jesus is and what he did is the most important thing for all of humanity for all time. Who is Jesus and what did he did and how does that apply to me? I'd be curious to see how have you seen confusion about the identity of Jesus Christ in your experience? Many false prophets are out in the world. We, I mean, all you got to do is Start watching the televangelists on TV or, or something. Okay, here's the other thing. Devils are bad at Bible study. Once you get a few minutes into the gobbledygook, the religious-sounding prophet of this world, you're like, ah, wait a minute, hang on. What about, and then book, chapter, verse. Devils are bad at Bible study. They can be an angel of light, but they can't preach the gospel right. 
have to twist everything. If you recognize, if you know the truth, you will recognize evil. And this would be the other question for you. How are you learning the Bible for yourself? Because otherwise, you're going to fall for it. If you don't know the truth, something close to the truth is going to be very appealing. So how, what's your next step in learning the Bible for yourself? And we have a structure here at Midtown for that. But let me pray, and then we'll break up into our groups. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you that there's a simple test that we can apply to all this stuff we're hearing. How do we know if it's true or not? God, we believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He was God. He was man. He died for us. He satisfied an eternity's worth of offenses to an eternal God. And then, and then he just offers justification through faith to all of us who would say yes to it. And God, what a beautiful thing. We believe that. Um, Lord, help us to learn your word and, and just be wise so we don't believe everything we hear. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.